Episode number 43. We're going to talk about the circumstances surrounding a mom-and-pop store owner being shot and killed during a robbery in Tampa, Florida. This is the Crime School Radio Show, where industry experts discuss the business of fighting crime and prevention strategies for making places safe. Leading today's discussion is security expert Chris McGoey. Welcome to Crime School. I got a call from the Tampa Bay Times newspaper in Florida. The reporter told me about a recent incident where a owner of a small mom-and-pop store during the course of an armed robbery was shot and killed. The question he has is, what can these small businesses do to protect themselves and those that work there from the violence that occurs during an armed robbery? But because the audio is somewhat poor in some places, I want to lay some foundation for you so you know, you know what we're talking about. This small store we're talking about is called the 29th Street Store. It's in East Tampa, Florida. It's a small little market, only 700 square feet. That equates to roughly 35 feet long by 20 feet wide, so it's, it's quite small. But it's a mom-and-pop store, meaning that it's family-run. Usually husband, wife, team, maybe children all pitch in to make a store like this at least profitable to make a living for the family. Mr. Ibrahim has been operating this store for 16 years in the neighborhood. So he's part of this neighborhood. I'm sure he knows all of his customers or many of his customers by sight and by name. He probably knows the name of children and watched them grow up and go through high school and maybe college. So this was a shock, certainly, to the community. Now, this little market was, I'm being told, is in a high-crime neighborhood. So it could be, or probably was, very tough to operate. So you needed a very tough-minded person to be able to withstand some of the issues and some of the problem customers that probably resided there. Now, I'm also being told that this store has been robbed once before in November 15, 2011. 6.38 p.m., so it was dark. The same owner was working, and a man came in with a gun and disguise, robbed him, and during the course of that robbery, after a brief struggle, shot this owner. But obviously he recovered, came back in, went back to work, opened the store back up, and then for another six years until July 16, 2017, where the store was robbed again and he was shot again, but this time killed. So let me get the reporter, Tony Marrero, on the line, and he'll give you more backstory and understanding of what occurred during these robberies. And then we'll get into a brief discussion about some of the things that small business operators like this could do or maybe should do to prevent these kind of incidents from occurring. Stay with me for a moment. We'll be right back. He's the owner of the stories. He had been in business at that location for 16 years. Um, it's in East Tampa. It's a higher crime area. Um, it's a very small store. And uh, in 2011, he, uh, a robber uh, came in, 
um, demanded money, gave him the um, gave him a, a bag, and he he handed over the drawer, the cash drawer. Um, and then, then I don't know if you watched the video at that point, the video stops, uh, that the robber jumps up onto the counter a second time. And from what police tell me, um, cause they, they didn't want to release the, the part with the, uh, with the store owner, Mr. Ibrahim being shot, but, but the robber jumped up onto the counter. Um, Mr. Ibrahim tried to grab the gun, which is something I just learned, um, late yesterday. Um, and the robber shot him once and then fled with the cash drawers. So, um, he, he was shot in the shoulder. He survived, um, you know, went back to his livelihood. And, um, now here, uh, just this past Sunday, um, an armed robber came in, um, and the way it was explained to us, uh, or the way it's listed in, a, in an arrest report is, um, the, uh, robber, uh, when when he came in with the gun in the video, this is the video. I haven't, they haven't released the video, but this arrest report describes the video. Uh, shows the suspect enter the store with his face covered by a shirt and a silver black handgun in his hand. The victim attempts to protect himself by pushing a candy display towards the suspect. And the suspect fires the handgun at the victim and the victim falls to the ground. The suspect then steps over the victim's body and begins to try to open the register. And then returns his focus to the victim and shoots him again. The suspect then removes the money from the register and removes the cash drawer from the register, placing it into a white plastic bag. The video further shows a witness entering the store during the and leave. The suspect is seen wearing red sneakers in the video. The suspect flees. So uh, in both cases, um, he's, you know, he has sort of this, this altercation or interaction with a, with a robber. Um, You'll see in the video that he, he doesn't have, like a lot of stores have, he doesn't have the, the kind of the plexiglass uh, um, uh, barrier there. Um, so I just wanted to get, ask an expert about, uh, you know, what what a, a, a mom and pop uh, store, presumably with a, a small budget, um, can do um, to, to kind of ward off these, these kind of robberies. Um, obviously, he's got surveillance, but that doesn't, you know, that only goes so far in helping catch a suspect. I should say the first robbery that I that I described is, is still unsolved. The second one, um, the suspect was was uh, was arrested within actually the next morning um, because it was twelve thirty in the afternoon. There were witnesses who saw him coming and going, people who knew him, and there was also a video um, that uh, that was helpful. Uh, so um, he was caught pretty quickly. The, uh, the first one remains unsolved. So. Um, I just wanted to get a sense from, from the security expert about what, what these kind of stores can do, um, especially if they're on a small budget, uh, to, to try to protect themselves from these kind of things. Well, the short answer is it gets tougher and tougher and tougher when you're in a small store and you choose the location in a high crime area and you don't yeah. have the budget, you're sort of setting yourself up for failure, aren't you, or for attack. Yeah. I pulled up the address of this little store. It's called the 29th Street Store. It's in yeah. the northeast yeah. uh, quadrant of Tampa. Yeah. Uh, it's a residential neighborhood, meaning that on all four sides and down every street in this corner location, it's actually at a crossroads. It's all housing. Yeah. It's all single-family homes. It's not yeah. high density. It's uh, very lush, uh, large uh, green trees everywhere. You would think it would be a nice, quiet neighborhood, and you would yeah. think that it would be very low crime. 
But with the magic of Google Street View these days, I could walk up and down the streets, and I could right. see the homes right. there. And what I see in the homes are bars on windows, bars on doors, which tells me that this neighborhood has been attacked in the past. There's been burglaries. Yeah. So people are uh, protecting uh, their homes and their, and their property. So mm -hmm. something is uh, causing the, uh, the crime rate to be very high. I, I haven't investigated the area, so I don't know. But this market is a little dinky little store right smack dab in the middle of this seemingly uh, quiet but apparently high crime neighborhood. It's going to be the only game in town. It's not like a major thoroughfare with lots of stores, lots of restaurants, lots of convenience stores, lots of fast food restaurants that would typically be the target of uh, armed robbers. But this one's right. isolated. The fact that it's isolated makes it a pretty good choice. You would expect there'd be few witnesses, especially at night. If they rob the store at night, most people that are going to be in their homes, the door's going to be locked and, and there's not going to be a lot of foot traffic like you would have right. on a commercial thoroughfare. So it's right. ideal, it's an ideal lo a robbery choice for those reasons. You yeah. can rob the store, you can go around the corner and get in a getaway car and you're gone. Now looking at the, uh, the Google Street View of this 29th Street store, I see this little box and he has bars on his windows. Yeah. Very bad visibility. The only two windows he has facing the street are covered with cigarette banners. Yeah. And then beer signs, it looks like. Yeah. If you go back and look at what the industry, uh, the convenience store industry has said for 40 years, and I've been involved with it that long, these are all mm -hmm. the wrong things to do. If you're going to be in a high crime neighborhood, you want to do everything 100% right. You want to have a very strong protective posture and do everything you can to send the word out on the street that there's very little money here and your risk of getting caught is very, very high. That's not the signal that this little market is sending out, unfortunately. The biggest thing I've seen that it is a, uh, it's an obvious target in a high crime neighborhood. Yeah, I appreciate you doing the extra research and I should have, I meant to send you the address and to, so you could kind of get a play of the land. And so I appreciate you doing that. That's really helpful. Well, I'm a, um, I'm a trained investigator. I have to have some context before <laughs> I talk about yeah. something. Yeah, and I tried to provide I tried to provide that. And so um, I should have given you a little bit more to go on. But uh, but uh, but thank you for, for doing that. Yeah. And then in this case, in the second robbery, the robber uh, fled on foot and, and he was seen and again, he did this at it was 1235, 1237 in the afternoon um, on a Sunday. And there were people coming and going and people had seen them around the neighborhood. So actually a, a witness walked in while he was while he was uh, there. Um, and so there were several witnesses who, who saw him and they were able to make an arrest pretty quickly. Uh, so, of course, it doesn't help Mr. Ibrahim because, you know, he was shot during during the encounter. And. One one of the questions I wanted to ask you um, is talking talked about, about visibility and 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 that sort of thing. Um, what about um, the, the the plexiglass barriers that you see um, in typically larger stores? Uh, how expensive are those? Well, it's not inexpensive. It's it's not just uh -huh. plexiglass. It's a, it's a bullet resistant barrier. 
which usually yeah. means it's it's much thicker materials. Uh, it's designed to at a ballistic grade, meaning that it'll stop a at least a thirty-eight or nine millimeter round. You don't see those in most convenience stores in America or most fast food restaurants. Now, in the highest crime neighborhoods, you do. But you're at that threshold. You're knocking on the threshold. If your store is so potentially dangerous and the robbery rate is so highly perceivable, should you really be operating? Because even though the clerk is safely tucked behind bulletproof glass, all your customers are standing out there in the store unprotected. And sometimes the, the robber, if he can't get cash from the uncooperative cashier behind bullet-resistant barriers, they turn their, their weapon and rob the customers. Mm. But the barriers require, obviously, uh, has to be custom-designed uh, to fit a, a certain countertype, a countertop, or right. you have to even right. buy countertops that are appropriate for that because countertops are usually just wood. So they'd shoot right through the counter and, and hit the clerk if, if that was an issue. So it needs mm. to be designed usually from floor to ceiling. There has to be an access or an entry port, obviously. There has to be a way of, yeah. of handing money uh, back and forth. But the, the bullet-resistant barrier is just that. It's almost like a, a, your own jail cell. It encourages people then to go in and, and just steal things off the shelf and walk out. Because then it would force the cashier to come out from behind the barrier if they want to try to stop them or, or, or do anything else. So mm. I always see if you're in a high crime area and you have that bullet-resistant barrier, I see grabbing runs and beer runs and other thefts rise dramatically. Uh, because the reaction time is Well, it's not the slower. reaction time. The, the bullet-resistant barriers are designed to keep the cashier safe, and you're usually instructed to stay behind it. Because that might be one trick that they use. In fact, it is a trick. You go out there and you start walking out with cases of beer or whatever. As soon as a cashier leaves the protective barrier, then the robber gets access behind the protective barrier. Either the door is open or they have the key. Uh, okay. So sort of like a, um, a bait uh, strategy where yep. you, uh, you, have, you have an obvious theft that, that lures the, the cashier out. So. Right. And you have a harder time getting cashiers. If you think about it, would you take a job at a store where you had to work behind bulletproof glass? Yeah. You know, I only spoke with his, spoke with his son just very briefly, and I, wished, I wanted to kind of ask him a little bit more about, uh, about his dad and, and, you know, his store. I know that he'd been there for 16 years, but basically he was the owner-operator. Um, I think his wife would help him maybe on one day a week, but, uh, but generally it was was his business and he owned and, and operated it. I don't think he had other employees. And if he did, it wouldn't have been more than one or so. So, but I think so, it was basically him. So let me give you some more context. And I'm going to have to make a whole bunch of assumptions here that may not be true. But just okay. the very little I know from what you've sent me, the research I've done online and looking at the store and mm -hmm. watching the video. Mm -hmm. uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, who's 60 years old, and he said he was there for 16 years. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't sound married, like... Fa married father, four kids. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's U.S. born. I'm not sure if English is his first language. Many times uh, to have someone run a very rough store located in a high crime neighborhood, usually it takes someone who is foreign born, who maybe could handle the day-to-day the -day hostilities. 
But in that mm -hmm. becomes a problem with language barriers sometimes. Now, I watched the video from the 2011 robbery where Mr. Ibrahim mm -hmm. was shot the first time, and mm -hmm. the robber came in with his own plastic bag. Wasn't that nice of him? And all he yeah. wanted was, put your cash in my plastic bag. Now, most convenience store chains, I'm talking about the national chains that instructed the clerks to comply with the robber. When they got a gun, this guy had a giant uh, automatic weapon. If you just put the cash in the bag, that's what they came for. 90% of the time, they'll take it and run. Mr. Ibrahim seemed to be arguing with the robber or having mm -hmm. a conversation. So instead of putting cash in the bag, he took the whole tray out of the drawer, put it on the counter. Well, he didn't ask for a tray. Yeah. And it's not really convenient for him to grab it and run down the road. We didn't have the benefit of audio to hear what else is going on, but there is a whole dialogue going on back and forth. And the robber yeah. kept jumping up on the counter as if he wanted more. He probably wanted, you know, where's more money? Where's the backup money? Where's yeah. the safe? Yeah, and, and, I don't, and, and just, uh, just uh, on that point, um, I did, uh, the police spokesman, the department spokesman said that they're, so the mystery room later tell investigators that, uh, that the robber was not satisfied. With the, with the amount of money that was in the tray. So I wanted to mention that uh, just yeah. now that you mentioned it, but go on. So what the national chains have done, again, going back 40 years, uh, they have safes in the stores, and they're drop mm -hmm. safes, and they're time delay mm -hmm. safes. So the person on duty can't open it immediately. There's signs in the window that says there's a time access safe. The clerk cannot open the safe. Mm -hmm. We drop all mm -hmm. large bills. And you operate your business that way day to day. So when these robbers come in, they could see there's the safe. It's got a time delay system. It might take 15 or 20 minutes for the safe to open. And that usually satisfies them. They'll take the money in the drawer and they'll be gone. So Mr. Ibrahim, and I don't know this for a fact, he might have had a practice mm -hmm. where he kept extra change down below, like at a cigar box or something. Yeah. And that word might have got out on the street. You come in with a 20, you buy something small, and you see Mr. Abraham go down below and pull up more change. And, and the word gets out. The other incident, or the first incident, uh, you told me that he, Mr. Abraham grabbed the guy's gun and fought over the gun. Yeah, a brief struggle. He grabbed it when the robber jumped over, jumped, tried to jump over the counter again. Um, the uh, TPD told me that... Uh, he tried to, to grab the gun in a brief struggle ensued, and that's when the robber fired the gun, grabbed the cash, and ran out. And that's always a tough scenario. Uh, again, uh, national corporate chains would tell its employees or cashiers, don't argue, don't fight with the robber, don't grab guns, all these things. Don't aggravate the robber. That's yeah. what they say as a, as a corporate uh, philosophy. But I got to tell you, if you're the one standing there in the store, and you got somebody with a gun in your face threatening to kill you, I believe it's up to the clerk to decide, if it's life and death for me, what am I going to do? You have a right to do whatever you think you need to do right. to survive. Now, Mr. Abraham, and that's why I asked about his origin of birth or how he was raised or if there's yeah. any cultural yeah. issues. In some, I don't know. I wish I did. In, in some cultures, I'm not going to start naming uh, cultures, but really all over the world, your first instinct is to protect your property. Yeah. And you're not going to let some, some punk robber come in and, and take it from you or threaten you, and they're going to beat him down or chase him or fight back, and that's their natural instinct. 
So small yeah. business operators without any orientation, without any formal training, that's what they're likely to do first. And frankly, any individual in that situation, you have a split second to decide, life or death, what am I going to do? And if you believe in your heart that grabbing that gun is the only thing I could do to survive, then who's to say in hindsight that you should have acted differently? Getting back to your question about bullet-resistant mm -hmm. barriers, I think we've kind of come full circle. It might have made this little box safer for the cashier on duty, but it wouldn't have made it safer for the customers. It would, have, it would have changed the vibe entirely of this small neighborhood store. So the corporate chains yeah. to have a store like this in a high crime neighborhood, they would probably close it. So a poor yeah. high crime neighborhood then would have no market. They'd have no local market. So it's a tough well, call. That, that's really, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's one other thing I wanted to tell you about just to, to give you some context that I've learned after uh, I went out to the neighborhood yesterday. And, and um, again, I only spoke to the son briefly, but one of the quotes he gave me was, um, this was a man who uh, who cared about community. Um, he was just he, he was just somebody who was important to the community. Um, there's plenty of crime that happens, but not many people show show up to show that they care. And when he was referring to that, was this this memorial uh, this small memorial that has um, sprung up outside the front door of the store. Uh, I went out there yesterday, and there's teddy bears, candles, and cards, and just people who who've known this guy, this local businessman who's been there in the community for you know a decade and a half, and who were you know truly sad about what happened. So he did have a connection. I talked to a to a customer who said that certain customers that he trusted, he knew that he knew he would he would quote unquote put them on the book, meaning uh, if they didn't have cash at that point, um, and he trusted them to to come back when they did, he would he would front them. So yeah. Yeah, it's sad, and, and uh, we need more guys like that. We need people to run markets in these tough neighborhoods and, and to be part of the community. And, and they're, they're, you know, their customers are very loyal then. They will go there, even if he's more expensive, his prices. Uh, they'll, they'll shop there before mm -hmm. going to other places just to support the man. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it's unfortunate, and I wish there was something that police department, anybody seeing this store after the first robbery could have giving him some guidance how to make it safer and help yeah. him find a way to manage it in a safe way. But after yeah. saying that, these robbers are out there doing their thing. The guy who robbed him and, and shot him, or even on two different occasions, they might not even know what day of the week it was or what planet they were on. They might have been strung out or mm -hmm. high on something. And they get so desperate, all they want is the cash, and they just don't give a hoot about who gets injured in the process. Good luck with the story. Thank you, sir. You have a great day. There are millions of stories about crime and how it's impacting the lives of people, families, and companies. Some of the outcomes turn out positive, but many are very tragic. Discussing them here at Crime School helps us learn, helps us grow and solve some of these problems and social issues plaguing our country today. I appreciate input from you to help craft future topics and future discussions. I try to provide a variety of educational topics, but I want to keep with the theme of making places safe for people and property. I really appreciate those of you that have been sharing this content on social media 
or those who have given five-star positive reviews on iTunes to help the Crime School podcast get discovered. Thank you so much for listening and for doing your part in making places safe. This is the Crime School Radio Show with your host, Chris McGoey. We invite you to comment on today's topic and join the Crime School community. For more information and show notes from this episode, please visit crimeschool.com.